There's this spectrum of social and racial justice work that happens. And on one side of that spectrum, it's activism and talking about the issues and talking about the hardships and barriers that people face. But I think on the other side of that spectrum, there should be examples of people thriving and having fun and enjoying the life that they are existing in. We try and focus on showing joy because that's such a good step forward into change that people can actively see. Welcome to the Stories for Action podcast, where we speak with folks taking bold actions for a thriving planet for all. Our aim is to provoke productive dialogue, elevate community voices, and provide calls to action to help you find your role for positive impact. I'm your host, Laura Tomov. If you're just visiting a place like Montana, you may assume that everyone who lives here is active in the outdoors and all forms of recreation. And perhaps even some people who live here assume that. But let's talk about access. If we find ourselves on the trail or on the river, we can ask ourselves, what allowed me to be here? Sure, your own self-determination, but also finances that allowed you to purchase the necessary gear or clothing, gas money to get to the trailhead, maybe a parent or a friend who took you out for your first time or instilled that value of connecting to nature. Maybe you have a job that allowed you time off or weren't working multiple jobs to pay your bills and were able to squeeze in time to get out. If it's an activity that is difficult to do with kiddos, maybe you have someone to watch your kids. Or if your kids are coming along, you may have the means to gear them all up. And maybe you're at least somewhat able-bodied and don't have physical ailments that prevent or limit your ability to participate. Some of these things may seem simple, But for many, it's monumental and can be a make or break for whether or not they're able to get outside, let alone become skilled in a certain outdoor activity. Or maybe it's just not your thing. I know people have been surprised that even though I grew up in Montana, I didn't go downhill skiing all of the time. Well, for those who know, downhill skiing is a pretty privileged activity, requiring funds for gas money to get to the ski hill, expensive gear, lift tickets, and often time off work. It wasn't a really accessible thing for us, or a lot of people who grew up here. I consider myself very fortunate to have had parents, though, who got us outside as often as they could, in whatever form they were able, and instilled in us in a respect and appreciation of the environment that we're a part of. I'm grateful to know the healing and joy that being in wild environments can bring, and I would want that for anyone who needs it and will respect it. But as a white person, my ability to be there was never dependent on whether or not I felt like I belonged in those spaces. And that's something I took for granted. In the last hundred years, the outdoor recreation world has been white dominant, not only in practice, but in the representation, in outdoor films or gear advertisements. This can trace to a myriad of things, and I'm not the one to teach on the topic, so if this is a new concept, I encourage you to continue your education on this. But just to scratch the surface, there's the truth behind the roots of American conservation, the fact that many areas in the West, which align with proximity to outdoor recreation opportunities, were established as white-only settlements. There's the socioeconomic means required, and many other roots to this, both blatant and nuanced. Of course, the people who originally interacted with, and yes, enjoyed recreational sports on this landscape for over 10,000 years, are indigenous peoples. 
This connection to the land is still strong for many, but due to land removal and various methods of cultural oppression, access is not guaranteed today. There are some amazing entities within these indigenous communities that are doing critical work to improve this access to the land in ways that make sense culturally to a specific community. Of course, the reality on the ground of those who have been connected to the land in multiple ways, including recreation, has always been diverse and included people of color and folks from intersectional communities, but that's been with little representation. And so it created a false generalized assumption of, quote, only certain types of people are into it and can lead to people getting stares or other social cues of feeling like they don't belong. It's great to see public vocalization turning this on its head and conscious efforts being made to break down barriers and changes taking place in inclusive representation, especially in the last couple years. Not only in advertisements and magazine articles, but at outdoor events and social media accounts of both individuals and organizations that are harnessing the collective power of representation and the celebration of individuality and doing it your own way. All of these elements of access and inclusion is to say that when we hear that public lands are for everyone or the outdoors are the great equalizer, it's okay to acknowledge that there are massive blind spots to those statements. That we can have honest conversations that help us understand one another's realities and make an effort to ensure that everyone is able to build that respectful, joyful relationship with nature in a way that works for them. In doing that, we can honor individual communities and strengthen our collective ones. In this episode, we'll be having a conversation with Alex Kim, who in 2020 founded the social enterprise Here Montana, which works to increase representation and inclusivity for people of color and intersecting communities in outdoor spaces and recreational activities in Montana. Here Montana also works to develop personal and professional leaders in these spaces. They operate on the values of community, education, engagement, and joy to create opportunities for connection, fun, and the healing that nature can provide. This episode has messages for those seeking community, those who may need a perspective shift, and folks interested in starting up their own social enterprise. Alex begins by sharing some of his own story and what led him to start Here Montana. I am a child of two Korean immigrants. I primarily focused on the academic and making it and my upbringing and never really utilized the outdoors as, you know, a space for business or community or really any of it. And so when I moved out here, I moved out to Montana in 2014. I moved in December as well. I started to kind of see and witness like a lot of people doing outdoor things like cross-country skiing or snowshoeing or downhill skiing and snowboarding. And I was just started to ask myself a lot of questions. How do people get out there and is it safe? And as I began to kind of investigate these things, I needed a job in Missoula, uh, which is fairly hard to find at certain points of the year. And so I did what a lot of people do. I went to school. And during my undergrad, I studied communication studies and photojournalism. And in both of those programs, I focused on racial and social justice issues that I was interested in. And I started to observe through photography just the lack of representation that there is in Montana when it comes to how 
certain activities are marketed, such as fly fishing or hunting or snowboarding and skiing, climbing, hiking, backpacking. I understood just based on walking around town who the target audience was for those images. But then I realized, why couldn't someone like myself also be marketed to, you know? So I started to take that into my own work and doing a lot of photos around representation and photos around focusing around people that are doing it in their own way and then through their own identities. And I think being able to learn from those folks, I figured out that it was a big need in the community, that there wasn't a resource out there that was actively engaging with community members of different ethnic and racial backgrounds. And it's been housed in a lot of different places, but now we're on our own two feet and we've been our own entity for the past year and it's been awesome. Yeah, no, it's an example of, you know, seeing the gap and instead of just continuing to move along in that space to really take initiative to, to fill that gap, was it at all influencing your choice to you know move to Missoula, Montana, that you did have this need and want to be closer connected to the outdoors and more access to natural spaces? Yeah, I think my interest in the outdoors was definitely growing in my early 20s. You know, like the existential, what, what is my life going to be, you know, or it, where am I going? And I think just the outdoors is pretty enticing to me because it seemed like a space where you could just be in nature and the pressure of the outdoors outside world or, or society isn't necessarily bearing down on you in there. And so I kind of pursued that as a place to find myself, you know, to find maybe some answers I was looking for. Awesome. And what are some of the programs that Here Montana offers? And tell me about what the entity looks like. So we offer year-round programming. We're in the wintertime now, so we can talk about winter stuff. We do cross-country skiing, snowshoeing, and we have a partnership with our local gym, um, Freestone Climbing, where we host Monday Night Climbing Nights. Those are kind of our three staples in the wintertime. And we just get out. We just get people out. We try our best to provide free gear. Um, and I think that kind of goes under, like, the ethos of what the organization is. And also free opportunities like to climb. Uh, we partner with MTCX and with LB Snow, which are two cross-country ski rental programs. And the idea is, is that, you know, if, if those programs and companies can provide the gear, then together we can get people outside, you know, introduced to a sport in a fashion that is not uh, financially obligating to, to folks to be introduced to something. And you know, it's such a gift to be able to start something or, or even like learn something for free. It's just such a different dynamic than when you spend that dollar and you're like, oh, now I've invested this money, so now I have to do it. And sometimes that's wonderful, you know, but it's a really different feeling when someone is just like, here's the gear and here's how to do it. And you don't owe us anything. And you just, if you don't like it, then that's up to you. And if you love it, then, you know, all the better. And I think being able to provide that kind of experience really boosted and elevated our community groups and our partners because it shines a light on the businesses that they're operating. And then also it helps to get people outside and into the sport in a way that they've made their own decisions on their own time and in their own way of doing it. Yeah. And just to be honest, outdoor gear can be really expensive. It right? can be super expensive. <laughs> so I feel it's a big commitment. Like you said, if you feel obligated or it's just it's not priority financially. Do you want to share some of the summer and warmer season programs that you guys have been doing? Once it gets warmer, and we try and go out and do hikes around wildflowers and learn about Montana's natural environments. 
we do rafting trips with our partnership with Love Boat Paddle Company. We do backpacking trips with our partnerships with the different foundations we work with. Um, one foundation is the Bob Marshall Wilderness, um, the Bitterroot Frank Church Wilderness, the, uh, the Great Burn Wilderness Conservation Groups. And we work together with all of these different foundations to provide opportunities and to really think about how we can best meet the needs of both of our organizations. Um, yeah, so in the summer times we're doing fishing, hiking, rafting, backpacking. We just try and throw it all in there and climbing and we have a lot of different things going on which also means that we bring in a lot of different people because some people the water is not for them and they're not about it but they are all about going backpacking or hiking and staying on dry land or sometimes people are the opposite and they'd much rather be in the water than the water is their space and so we're just really lucky to be able to provide that in the place we live because Missoula has access to all of those different things. And as, like you said, some of the things that you provide is cost-free um, access to these outings and, you know, having all levels acceptable to the to the outings. Are there any other things that you kind of consciously keep in mind as you're designing these spaces and these outings that is unique to here Montana and the communities that you're working with? Yeah, I think we go into it with the intention of opportunity, like opportunity for everybody involved. And just thinking about how we can all benefit from a space, I get that some people show up because it is free and it's an amazing opportunity, but there are other folks that are showing up because they don't know what the next step in their life is and they've never considered the outdoors to be a place of industry and business and work and being able to open up um, opportunities for people to see like, yeah, you can be a raft guide if you want to be, you know, and here's what it looks like. And this is how you run the boat down a river and you're showing these people what a potential job opportunity is, you know, and I think that's huge for everybody to see and have an opportunity to see. I think it really broadens the horizons of what you can do with your life. And, and I think in Missoula, there's so much opportunity to work in the outdoors. It's just when we plan trips, we really think about like what sorts of opportunities can people see out of this climbing trip or this backpacking trip or this fishing trip or whatever trip we're doing. Yeah, and thanks for bringing that up. You know, it's not just for people to have that personal experience, which is huge on its own, but yeah, to get glimpses of job opportunities and and the importance of seeing people in those leadership roles, right, from, you know, folks of color and intersectional communities to see them in those positions of leading those fly fishing trips. And tell me a little bit about how the entity operates as far as why you choose not to go the nonprofit route with the way you organize the entity. Absolutely. So we're a social enterprise, so we're a business. Um, and the reason that we decided to do that is because just personally, I think that the outdoors has been a space of business for a long time. And there are things that I don't necessarily agree on in terms of making money off nature and things like that. But I think in order to be a part of dismantling systemic barriers and things that just make it harder for other people, you just got to be in the game. If we're a nonprofit, I think nonprofits, to me, connotate the good doing of someone else for someone that needs help. And I think that for the community that I want to foster, it's like we're not necessarily looking for help. And I don't just don't think that it's very empowering to feel like, oh, here's this organization giving help to these other people. I want us to be a business that we are helping other businesses thrive 
And because of that, our community thrives. And, you know, thinking about it on multiple different levels of can we make money? Can you make money? Does our community make money? You know, because at the end of the day, like we, we need money to exist. And so I just think that with this model, like we choose to thrive and not feel like we need to ask people for help. Rather, like, what can we do to just benefit from one another? For this organization, my vision for it is to give empowerment at every level, even how we're labeled as a business or a nonprofit or whatever. We want to be labeled as a business. We can benefit from you and you can benefit from us. So let's be business partners. You know, and I think that's more empowering than saying, oh, here are these people that have been historically marginalized, so help us. You know, it's, that doesn't sound as empowering as like, let's sit down and talk about how you, you need us and we need you and let's make a deal, you know. Yeah, and, you know, especially in this state, I completely understand what you're saying about how it's a little bit icky to be making money off nature. But in the state of Montana, outdoor recreation is a, one of our largest economies. So you're also creating that representation in that space, which is huge. You know, on that, are there specifics of access that here in Montana is opening up? You know, we see it a lot as a promotional tagline or in the political realm of public lands. They're there for everybody and everybody has access to them. And why just that statement has a huge blind spot, right? If there's specifics that you want to touch on with that. I mean, I think acknowledging public lands has to come with acknowledging, you know, just the colonization of indigenous lands and indigenous peoples and how that has transformed into colonizing land in general and, and using it for capital and and then also the idea of public lands you know there's like the North American model for conservation and then there's uh, wilderness areas that are motivated by people that are like Theodore Roosevelt and Aldo Leopold who are also people who believed in eugenics and people who thought that they could bring animals from all over the world and hunt them and you know and so I think that the origins really may not be as pleasant as people want it to be, you know, and when you think about it in that way and you think about who it's set up for and who makes the most money, it's pretty obvious. Like I've been in the hunting and fishing industry, so I know when I go out to a parking lot and I see that guy wearing all Sitka gear with a brand new rifle and a brand new scope and a brand new truck, that's probably like $90,000 he has just standing there in the cold, you know, and then I see other people that are you know, just ragtag doing what they can to get out there, you know, and it doesn't always imply like someone's passionate or not passionate about land. But, but when it comes to the idea of race and ethnicity and things like that, people have been excluded. And I think the idea of exclusion can be hard to see. Like, what do you mean we're not actively in excluding anybody? But you, maybe you were invited to do something, you know, for free at one point in your life to go on a hunt or to go on a to go and fish or to go and hike or backpack or do whatever you want to do. And so we really, really work hard to actively invite people to come out to things like, hey, you can be out here, come do it. You know, and some people are like, oh, whoa, I've never been on the river before. And yeah, but we're asking you to come with us if you want to, you know. And I think that sort of invitation, that active engagement with somebody is what we're really trying to break down because I think just saying public lands is for everybody, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't hold its value, you know, because of how it's been represented throughout history and throughout modern time. It's just been represented in a certain way. And I think because of that hard work, it's got such a strong base and it does a lot of amazing work. And, but now it's trying to figure out how to expand into all these different folks that live in this country. And 
the Here Montana program is actively trying to get people who may not see themselves out there or see that opportunity or want to even be out there. Just that active engagement of like, just come out and check it out if you want to, you know, it's just here for you. And it's all good if you don't, if that's not for you. And maybe there's something for you down the line in one of our other things that we're doing. And, you know, in your view, if there's anything else you want to say on this value of representation, whether it's in a magazine article or just seeing someone else on the trail that might look similar to yourself or, you know, sometimes even the billboard ad can be that invitation. If there's white folks that say, I never had anyone come up to me and ask me to go out and do a certain thing and I got out there and did it. Well, okay, but you saw that advertisement or you saw that billboard and that is a form of invitation, right? You never had to question whether or not someone that looked like you belonged in a space like that. We don't see folks of color in in those ads, at least not before like this year, (laughs) especially. So if there's anything else you want to say on just that concept of the value of representation. I mean, I think representation is just such a critical piece of any aspect of my life. I think representation is powerful. When I look at a magazine, I don't know that model. Like, I don't know who they are, what their story is, or what they're doing. You know, I'm face value looking at this person saying, can I relate to this person? And maybe it is the fact that, oh, this person is also, you know, a person of a different background. That even though we might not be from the same cultural background, I'm like, oh, but they're also someone that's of a different culture and of a different background that's doing this and is represented in this way. And just that little connection there can spark an interest. And I think... A lot of people and a lot of industries are catching on to that and recognizing the power of that that representation. Like representation is an invitation. For sure. Yeah. And, you know, are there any specific examples that you want to share that you've experienced or that you've heard from someone else that show you the importance of having that community that you've created with Here Montana? Yeah, so many examples. I think every trip there's like a light bulb that goes off for somebody. You know, even just this past Sunday, we took 10 people out cross-country skiing and one of the participants that came by and skied with us was like, I've lived in Missoula for years. I've never had an opportunity because I've never felt like I could ask someone or, or that like there was this community that was there for me. Those sorts of moments are definitely a strong moment of like, okay, well, we're representing this and this person felt safe to come out and do this. And I think another thing that really sticks out to me is I took some folks out on a rafting trip three years ago in the summertime and pretty young, pretty young kid. He, and his, his folks were there and he was like, I want to do this when I grow up. And his dad was just like, so you get paid to do this and this is your job. And I was like, yes, this is my job. And he like looked at his kid and was like, yeah, well, you can do something like this. And it was this moment of, whoa, now this kid knows. He doesn't have to abide by any of the societal requirements. There are answers that he can find for his life out here if that's what he wants to do. Just seeing that light bulb moment between a parent and a child was just a really beautiful moment for me because I, you know, I wish I had had that opportunity as a kid to be able to be like, oh, I want to, you know, do this and, you know, have my folks be like, yeah, you can. Absolutely. And also that importance of having that parent there because they were also seeing the value in that experience and feeling something from that experience. So it wasn't just like, oh, that's a not a job to be taken seriously. It's like, no, that's a job that carries a lot of value and that I'd be proud for my kids to do that. So you have that both of those light bulbs going off. (laughs) Yeah. And the representation piece of 
being an Asian American person myself and knowing that for myself at least, this sort of career path is not an ideal one for my parents to envision for me, you know? And so I feel like when I looked at this kid and his parents, I was like, whoa, this is revolutionary. And I was, my parents would have been like, no, you're, <laughs> yeah, like, after, you're okay with this? even for that kid to see someone that has a relatable experience to him, you know, and, and be able to connect with that kid in a way of like, I'm also from a background that doesn't necessarily see this as a viable option, but we're doing it, you know, and I think being able to see that help kind of spark that kid's interest in something has been a cool way to see how representation works and how we can kind of hear from our participants what sort of differences it makes in their own lives. And yeah, that's awesome. And something that you said when we spoke on the phone is just that importance of being out and having that joy and not only for folks that are there in the moment but also in the photos that you take of the events and then share that just other people you know on social media seeing that just being out there and having joy is is revolutionary in itself if there's anything you want to say on that joy is like an equalizer you know or i hope that everyone can express and, and experience joy on some level prioritizing people's happiness has really helped to guide this program in a direction where we're not prioritizing the number of people that show up or we need to create some sort of swag or, I don't know, it's just kept us really driven on the environment we create during that activity. If we can foster joy in that, that's all we need to do because it's contagious, you know? If you see a large group of people laughing and having a good time on a trail, you're like, I wanna know what's going on over there, you know? And I think actively being out and focusing on joy allows people to also recognize that that's a priority that the organization has for them. We're not trying to push anything on them. We don't want or desire or need anything from our participants. We really just want to facilitate an environment where we're just hanging out in com community and focusing on people having fun and like having a good time. Because also, along with it being an equalizer, joy is also one of the, I think one of the best things that I can attach to a sport or a space, you know? It's like, was I happy there? Like I lived in Missoula for eight years and the Clark Fork River, specifically the walking bridge, I've had a lot of sad moments. <laughs> you know, I, I attach that place to a lot of sad moments in my life, but I also attach it to some of the best moments of my life. Because it has provided that for me and continues to provide that for me, I feel forever attached to that little bridge. You know, I'm like, oh, I've spent so much, so many moments here, you know? And I feel the same way for people that get out and we go and hike waterworks or we go and raft down the river. If I can attach their experience of doing this activity and them just having a joyful time, and it's been really awesome to have that focus. And Yeah, no, I love that. As you say that, folks can really connect to their place, you know, that, that comes to mind when you say things like that. It helps us to build our own connection to a place and story of place and and that that continues to be written for each person. Yeah, and I think that's how we begin to just get more and more people involved in spaces, you know, is to give people the space to find their own reason to be out there. Our social media posts, like everything that we're doing is just expressing joy. There's like this spectrum of social and racial justice work that happens. And on one side of that spectrum, it's activism and talking about the issues and talking about the hardships and barriers that people face. 
But I think on the other side of that spectrum, there should be examples of people thriving and having fun and enjoying the life that they are existing in, you know. For us, like on social media, we try and focus on just showing joy because that's, yeah, an equalizer and such a good step forward into change that people can actively see. Instead of always hearing like, oh, here are the barriers, here's this person just extremely happy when it comes to talking to someone that's new that is maybe not familiar with the topic or is interested in the topic. You can show them two different books and I think they both have this, a similar effect. If we can just get that smile out of somebody or get someone to just be excited about being out there, then it makes everything else feel very like, insignificant in that moment. For sure. Yeah. And as an entrepreneur, you know, are there specific challenges that you've faced or face, you know, in just having a startup business that totally. other folks might be able to relate to? <laughs> I mean, I think starting any business is pretty scary, especially because I have to depend on the rapport and trust that I've created in the community and want to maintain in the community and not feeling like I'm just doing this on my own whim. I felt more like, oh, I'm going to open this door and there's going to be a hundred people behind me and that's amazing, you know, and we're all walking in together. It's like walking into a party. Yeah, for starting a business, like having a community around you, being able to do something with people. And that doesn't necessarily mean that people have to be involved in like the monetary side of things or, you know, you can involve people wherever they want to be involved. And it never felt like I was just doing something by myself. It always felt like there was someone there or a bunch of people there that I could lean on or this program could lean on and it can exist without me. And, and feeling that way even before starting something there are people out there that will hold this program up and it doesn't always have to be on my shoulders. Now that the business is established, you know, and I've had some time to really like decompress, you know, I think about people who have kind of led the way into creating something like this, you know, because it's not like my idea by any means. And I think about how a lot of people have worked really hard to pave roads for their own beliefs and their own communities and, and how it sets it all up for, for people like myself to feel like, yeah, I can do that, you know, and so... It feels very natural and organic to just be in something with community and doing it with community and focusing it, focusing it on the community. Yeah, and uh, you can lead with that, you know, in all that you do. Um, and it sounds like you've, you've created quite a network of partners and other entities that you work with. Is there anything on that note of ways that you approach new partners or ways that you create meaningful relationships with those partners and working on building that network out and also the impressive network that you've already created. Do you have any ways that you've approached potential partners and really build those relationships? I think it's by being peculiar, seriously, and really gauging, can we mutually benefit? And can this partner talk about and celebrate the work that we're doing in a positive way? You know, we do live in Montana, and I think that the topic of racial and social justice issues can be really difficult to talk about you know, especially to clientele or people that may not be about it at all. And so I really look about, look at, can these people that we're going to now be in business with, you know, represent the work that we're doing at Here Montana in a way that is celebrating the work that they do, you know, and is also uplifting community members that are yeah, looking for opportunities. And, yeah, finding folks that align with our goals and missions which has made those partnerships so much easier to foster and like, we don't have to like plead the case to each other. 
I think also just being really clear about what our needs are, you know, and, and, and how we can both benefit. It's like a relationship because it takes a lot of effort on both ends. So can we actually sit down and figure out if we do this on social media, are you okay with that? Because now your name is attached to this thing, you know, just really thinking about all the different angles so that everyone feels comfortable before we actually get out and do, do something. There's a lot of different things that you have to navigate as that as an entrepreneur um, that, that are applicable for all businesses, right? That's helpful to hear. And do you have anything in the works for Here Montana going forward? I think growth. I think growth is like a broad word, but I, I mean it in a broad way. I think that we can grow in a lot of different aspects. Um, one thing we're looking to do this year is start to do like big community nights where we're inviting just everybody to come out. And I think that's really important because we still we exist and live in this community. And I think I personally also understand the importance of affinity spaces, but also I also understand the importance of uh, existing in a broader community, you know, and, and really embracing everybody to come out and enjoy a space. I think that makes an affinity space stronger, but also helps other people in the community understand why that space is there and how to support it and be a part of it and be engaged because yeah it can be hard for people to grasp oh why do they get like their own night to do this one thing you know why wouldn't they just invite everybody you know but in this community those sorts of spaces might be the only spaces those folks have during the week to see or communicate with people that they have relatable experiences to as it pertains to maybe their racial or cultural backgrounds you know and not just race and culture, but also their, 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 their gender identities, their abilities, their disabilities. Like it just creates this space for people to do their thing around people that they feel comfortable with. And that's not to say that other folks aren't making them feel uncomfortable. It's just that when you make a space for people and you say on the door, like, this is for you to do this thing, you know, it's that invitation. Like you feel empowered to do that then and like carry on with that conversation. And so ho we're hoping to do like a big community night, get out and climb with each other and learn from each other and be around each other. And this way we can just garner support from all different directions and really show that for a couple hours a day, it's really amazing to have our own space. But we also recognize when we open the door, everybody's there and it's a cool way to just build a bigger community. And on that then, because, you know, here Montana makes the space for folks of color and intersectional communities. If you want to elaborate on what encompasses intersectional communities? Sure, yeah. I mean, intersectional communities can mean, um, like, I'm a Korean-American. I guess it'd be harder for me. An intersection of my gender identity is that I'm a straight man, and so I intersect with that. And then I am also an able-bodied person, and so I have all my functioning limbs and body parts. But all three of those things are an intersection for me uh, when it comes to, like, my identity and my abilities and who I am culturally and, and ethnically, and I think that can look really different for, for anybody. And so, you know, we invite people that have, you know, different cultural, ethnic background that may identify themselves or be a part of the, the LGBTQ plus community or, or non-binary community, and then they might also have, you know, a disability. Those three things intersect to make one person, and so we invite those sorts of folks to come out and hang out, and we try and figure out how to make it adaptive for everybody. And, and definitely acknowledging our program is very focused on folks that do have the 
the ability to get out and do certain things. And I think that's important to acknowledge. We're not focused on being super adaptive and that's something that we can work on. And so we focused in on the BIPOC community and the intersecting identities. Um, and if we can, during our trips, make it more accessible and adaptable for people, we would love to make that happen. For sure, yeah, and that's part of that growth. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and is there any? Are there any messages that you would want to put out there for folks that are in other states or you know in other regions that don't have access to here Montana's spaces that are either folks of color or from those intersectional communities that are struggling in finding a community to connect with in the outdoors? I mean, you can do it. Make your own community, you know. And I think community is doesn't always have to have one leader, you know. I don't feel like by any means that I'm the only person running this organization. And so feeling empowered in yourself to say, if you want to make a change and you're not seeing anyone else doing it, that you can do it. And there are a lot of resources out there to, to look at when it comes to how to build an organization, finding those communities online or finding them in other ways. I guess my biggest thing is really just Feeling empowered to do something, to build something on your, you know, on your own, no matter what your circumstances are, because there is someone else out there that will find value in it, you know, that feels the same way. And it's a really cool opportunity to be able to do something for yourself, but also with the intention of doing it for your community and for other people, just feeling like you can beat any barrier. You know, we've had to depend on a lot of different organizations and entities to be where we're at today. And I'm super grateful for all of those those opportunities that we've had to be here. And but I think seeing a need and filling that need is if you're not finding anyone else to do it, like you can do it. Sure. Yeah. And you're living proof, right? That that can be successful. You know, that's yet another form of representation. And any messages for other folks that may not identify with those communities? If there's anything you want to put out there on how people can be, you know, in better support of opportunities and equitable spaces in the outdoors? I mean, just considering opportunities, opportunities for yourself to learn from other people. Like, I feel so grateful to my friends. When I first moved here, all of my friends were white. And I'm so extremely grateful to them because they took the time out of their day to teach me how to fish and hunt and to ski and to snowboard and climb and backpack. And a lot of it was grueling and painful and me being at the way at the bottom of the hill and people waiting for me, the empathy that they showed me and the kindness that they showed me, all of that has brought and elevated me to where I am and I have to give credit to that. I just wouldn't be here without my friends and I think that invitation that they you know, have given me to come out is the same invitation that I want to give out to my own community. And I think that's something that everyone can do for people in general. You know, if you have friends that you're like, I always wondered why that person doesn't ski or snowboard, just invite them out. Maybe they've just been waiting for someone to ask them, you know. And I think that's one way that people can help make a difference in the way that they see it. And maybe it's not even about making a difference. Maybe it's a friend that you want to build a better relationship with. And here's this thing that they might be, you might mutually have the liking to. Just ask them if they want to go. I think everybody can seek to benefit by inviting someone else to an activity. One thing that I'm doing in particular is I love jumping in cold water. And I've just been inviting all my friends, dude, just come jump in the creek with me. And some people are like, you're absolutely insane. I'm not doing that. But some people are like, yeah, would love to, you know. And I'm just building little friendships out of that and build, building bonds with people. And, and the invitation and asking people, inviting people is 
a solid thing you can do for anybody out there. Yeah, and recognizing that there's things that some of us may take for granted. You know, something that seems like not a big deal can be monumental to somebody else, and that what you have to do is really listen and seek out and, and make that effort to get to know what those differences are. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I feel really just a lot of gratitude towards a lot of people in my life in this community in Missoula because it's this organization, myself, like I wouldn't exist in the space I'm in without that. And I think just feel encouraged to like go out and invite someone to do it. And if they say yes, you might change their life, you know? And is there anything that you want to say on the topic of, you know, it's always been important, but maybe why right now at this time in our world and our society, why it is important to foster healthy relationships between each other as people and community building as well as between us and our environments that we're part of. If we can kind of come together on how to figure out how to work together in those spaces to make some changes and making the earth a better space for everybody and I think to just consider the land in those conversations and how to do that and even I'm like trying to figure out how to do that, you know, like what is it that we're doing during backpacking trips or during our rafting trips that we can do better so that we're helping to preserve, you know, the space that we're in, you know, and maybe that's not even going, you know. I think it's important for us to all connect and like build those relationships and really take time to build those relationships because we all live on the same, the same planet, you know, and the same state and locally in the same community and if we want to see it be better or, or preserve it so that it stays a space for the next people, we gotta work together to do that. And it can't just be me thinking about my own ideas, you know, it's celebrating the work that other folks are doing out there and participating in that and learning from that. For sure, yeah, I think that applies to a lot of different things in professional and personal lives of, of how to build those honest relationships. Um, and are there any messages or shout outs that you want to put out there for folks or listeners who may be potential new participants in Here Montana's programs? Our focus is just getting people outside and just experiencing things in community. We want to foster an environment so that you feel like you're invited, that you're safe, that you have a place that you can be excited and, and, and express your joy and then go out there and do your own thing, you know, and build that confidence and most of the times, most things will be free. Even if you're curious, it's an open space. We're not out there to make them like a proxy to some bigger message. It's just, we want you to have fun. At any event, you come through and we provide you the gear, you have fun and you walk out and you move on with your life, you know? For sure. And for uh, potential business partners, is there anything, messages you wanna put out there? Um, any areas that you're especially working on to build up? Yeah, I'd say two different things. I mean, for potential business partners and people who are looking for those sorts of opportunities, we want to celebrate the work that you're doing, you know, and we find interest in our partnership because we can mutually benefit. We're just having fun and making sure that the people around us are feeling loved and supported and in a professional manner. Obviously, we can you know, negotiate our, our terms and our deliverables, but I definitely want to go in with the intentions of our focus is to get people outside, and oftentimes our partners have a way of getting people outside. And I think that's a beautiful thing to foster in this community and really anywhere. Thank you so much to Alex Kim for speaking with us and sharing your story. I think this work can remind us all of our own ability to find and create opportunity and community. 
the value in listening and learning from one another's experience, leaning into things that may seem difficult, whether that's climbing higher up the mountain or even having a certain conversation. It also reminds us the importance of extending invitations to whatever that may be, and the empowerment of experiencing joy in its purest and simplest forms. You can follow Here Montana on Instagram at here underscore Montana and find more info at herementana.org. They've had some great additional trips this winter with snowshoeing, ice fishing, cross-country skiing, and they do indoor climbing every Monday night at Freestone Climbing Gym in Missoula. We want to give a shout out to some of Here Montana's partners, Last Best Ski, Montana Cycle Cross or MTCX, Freestone Climbing, Great Burn Conservation Alliance, Love Boat Paddle Company, Bob Marshall Foundation, the Selway Bitterroot Frank Church Foundation, Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, Patagonia Outlet and Dillon, and many others. Today's episode was generously supported by the Patagonia Outlet located in Dillon, Montana. The essence of Patagonia's current mission centers around this quote from their founder, Yvonne Chouinard. He says, Earth is now our only shareholder. If we have any hope of a thriving planet, much less a business, it's going to take all of us doing what we can with the resources we have. This is what we can do. This episode was recorded on the homelands of the Salish and Kalispell people who interacted with and stewarded these lands for thousands of years and still do today. Thank you all so much for listening. We appreciate if you're able to share this episode with others and subscribe to the Stories for Action podcast to hear more stories that create connections and encourage you to find your role for positive impact. You can find out more about all of our work, including films and workshops at storiesforaction.org and check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Stories for Action. Thank you so much for being a part of our community, where our mission is to use the power of storytelling to create human connection and advance a thriving planet for all.